What's up, cool cats and cuties? This is the Promenade Merchants Podcast, a Star Trek podcast out on the frontier. So sit down and grab a rock to Gino as David Majors and Heather Kirby talk all things Star Trek. Old, new, and what's to come. The Promenade Merchants are open for business. What is up, everybody, and welcome to the Promenade Merchants Podcast, your favorite Star Trek podcast third favorite star trek podcast we'll say third uh i'm david majors i'm one of the hosts my co-host miss heather kirby heather uh listeners of the podcast might know that uh yours truly had a bit of a run-in with the bazooran provisional government recently uh and had to spend a couple of nights sleeping under a table at quarks uh heather i i hope you haven't run into the same issue yourself recently well, you know, I, I, I mean, I had a similar issue. It wasn't actually with the Bajoran provincial government. It was with the uh, Kardashians trying to take over Deep Space Nine for the week. <laughs> uh, Again. It's, it's, it's rough out here in the Alpha Quadrant, folks. It is rough out here. But we are still here. And we're still making this podcast, and we're still going to talk about Star Trek, Heather. So let's jump in. As I've said many times before, there's a lot of Star Trek happening right now in in this current era. And we've got to cover uh, a bunch of it. So let's just jump in with the old business. Uh, New listeners to the show, we go old, we go new, and we go upcoming. And we're going to start with a little bit of classic Star Trek, uh, sort of. Uh, there's a lot of new Star Trek energy and hype right now. Uh, we are in this current era of Star Trek where things are moving forward. But you can't move forward without remembering to look back every now and then. So, Heather, with the recent deluge of new Star Trek, uh, have you been checking out any of the classic Star Trek lately? Oh, (laughs) see, that is such a loaded question, because the answer, most honestly, is no. (laughs) Um, When I go through and and watch Star Trek, I kind of do it like just start at one series and go to the other. And and I've been slowly doing that again over the past year. Um, but since Lower Deck started, right around the time I was finishing up The Next Generation. So uh, I, the next one I was going to move on to was Deep Space Nine, but then I had a couple other things came up and other shows popped up, and I haven't started Deep Space Nine yet. <laughs> so the, the most honest answer to that is no. But like I said, I like to say I am an all-purpose nerd, so I'm always watching something. It just doesn't happen to be classic Star Trek at the moment. Mm-hmm. Well, remember, you're dealing with someone who uh, went through his r- rambunctious, rebellious teenage years uh, be- waving the anime flag high and, and, and proudly and loudly. So uh, the whole all-purpose nerd thing, that that's totally okay with this reformed weeaboo. That, that's totally okay. Um, also, for me, kind of, no, not really. <laughs> Not really. Uh, I know recently I had said that I'd really been getting into Voyager, and that still holds. 
Uh, but since Lower Decks and Discovery came back, uh, Voyager has kind of been put on the back burner. And really, a lot of the classic Trek has been put on the back burner a little bit. Because for me, uh, I will pick a series and maybe do two or three episodes at a time, go away for maybe a day or so, and then go back. I never try and just binge, 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 binge with any Star Trek because I just don't feel that it's my way to consume it. Uh, I'm making my way back to Enterprise eventually. Probably when Discovery is done, I'll make my way back to Enterprise just because I feel like those first two seasons deserve another look. Uh, I like some of the things at the first two seasons, so I'm I'm willing to give it another look. Uh, and also, uh, I did watch an anime again in 2020. I found an anime, but this is not an anime podcast, rest in peace <laughs> anime podcast of some sort. Uh, but yes, uh, right now... I think a lot of us, and, and please, let us know if we're being bad Trekkies at Prom Trek Pod. Uh, yeah, there's so much new Trek right now, and, and so many other things happening. Uh, yeah, classic Star Trek, kind of on hold here at the Promenade Merchants Podcast. But it's okay, we still love it. So, I put here in the show notes kind of a secondary follow-up question uh, that's still within the confines of old business. I'll ask you, Heather, and please, everyone out there, hashtag join the conversation at PromTrekPod. Let us know. I want to ask you, Heather, for all of the classic Star Trek shows, can you tell me your favorite first episode? Now, are we talking like season premiere or are we talking series premiere because there's series very premiere ah okay series, series premiere. premiere whether it's the man trap uh encounter at far point the emissary caretaker i forget the enterprise one which among those is your favorite Okay, so that's a, a far easier question. Uh, I would say my favorite series premiere happens to be Enterprise, uh, Broken Bow. Broken Bow, that's what it's called. Yeah. Okay. okay. I just feel like they really went into it with the, the, the story was really great and it really grabbed you right away and they, they really went into it knowing what they wanted to do and what they wanted to tell and how they wanted to set the tone for the the series. So I think Enterprise really did it the best out of all the classic Star Trek shows because the, when you look at uh, Emissary and Caretaker and Encounter at Farpoint, and we won't even get into TOS because that d- all depends on air date or whatever as to which one is actually the premiere. Um Enterprise, like they all kind of had, all the ones that came before them had like some sort of issues or some sort of pacing issues or some sort of the story was just kind of a little too wacky and weird and not quite hit all the buttons. I think Enterprise really hit all the buttons when you're talking about a good story, really sucks you in. You get to know the characters and where they stand right away. Uh, so Broken Bow is the tops for series premieres for me. For me, it's probably Emissary. 
because I feel like it was a really well done Star Trek pilot. I think it was a really good episode for a Star Trek spinoff. It was in many ways kind of a TNG side story where we were being introduced to uh, another crew and another group of Starfleet officers and this whole new side of the Alpha Quadrant and the world of Star Trek that had not been fully explored or fleshed out yet. We'd only heard a little bit about Bajor. We only knew a little bit about the Kardashians. And I think that they did a really good job of showing the importance of Benjamin Sisko, his son Jake, uh, the prophets, and they did all of this in one really good series premiere. And they did a pretty good job of introducing uh, a few of the characters, a few of the important characters. Uh, surprisingly, uh, I forgot this part, Mark Alimo, Gal Dukat, was in the first episode of DS9 and all the way to the very last episode of DS9. He was yeah. there at the very beginning. And yep. I think that's pretty impressive. Uh, I thought that the piece that they had with Chief O'Brien, with him leaving the Enterprise to go to DS9, was really well done. Uh, I think that the Patrick Stewart guest appearance was not overdone and not overstated. And I think that immediately, right from go, you could tell that Deep Space Nine was not going to be a wagon train to the stars. And I thought that was really cool to me. I thought the special effects were really good for the time. I thought the action was good for the time. And I just felt like... We were being introduced to another part of an expanded universe, and I was really, really excited. So for me, it's it's emissary. Now I have a question for you, uh, because I know a lot of people, and you know, I'm not sure if I have any feelings on this one way or another, but I know a lot of people take some issues with emissary because of the interactions between Picard and Cisco because they don't think Cisco was quite as respectful to Picard because you're used to seeing and it, it's sort of kind of the thing that came up in Picard when uh, I forget the Admiral's name when she, when she dressed him down mm-hmm. uh, in their office so it's sort of the kind of the same thing between Picard and Cisco here where Cisco just has this animosity towards him and it's understandable but a lot of people like that first interaction, their first time meeting Cisco and Picard is like such a beloved character. It really that interaction kind of soured them on Cisco initially because of that. What do you think about that? I think that because the next generation was such a monsterly successful series, I understand why people would feel that way. But I think that Emissary did a really good job of showing the consequences of what happened. Uh, When we saw in the TNG episodes where Locutus had joined the Borg, we didn't really see much of what he did and what happened. Uh, But DS9 showed us that. 
And exactly. yeah, yeah. I think it was important to see that this was a really bad thing that happened. This wasn't just self-contained. And I think that's really important to Star Trek. And I think the point about DS9 was the stuff that was happening on the Enterprise is not self-contained. Vulcans, Klingons, Ferengi, Cardassian. We saw all of these things in TNG, but we saw them in DS9 as well. And what DS9 showed us immediately was that things in the Star Trek universe mattered. And mm-hmm. I think that was really good. Yeah. So I I understand where they come from, but at the same time, he did do those things that he did at Wolf 359. It happened. And yeah, I can understand why. I, I've always said I understand why Ben Sisko looked at Captain Picard so with so much hostility. I completely understand. The man was still grieving over his wife. So, yeah. I I, I felt it. I understood. Okay, so one last shout-out I have, because like I said, I mentioned the craziness of TOS earlier on this topic. Um, it's not technically a pilot episode, but it is the television pilot of Star Trek. I am a huge fan and supporter of The Cage, Uh, As much as people actually didn't get to see it until years after, or, or, well, they saw the footage of it during season one of TOS. The Menagerie. Yeah, The Cage is what sold Star Trek to the networks. I mean, as much as it didn't air right away, um, it's the story of what this show and what this universe is ultimately going to end up to be and i i'm a fan i'm a fan i i I think the cage uh is is one of the best episodes of tos uh definitely and like i said our last episode i'm not a huge fan of tos uh as much as it, it has little small issues and some of the wording like oh women don't belong on the bridge yeah but uh the cage is still it it, it's a huge part of the reason why the star trek is here why star trek is still here uh 55 odd years later uh so wanted to give a shout out to the cage i really liked the cage too Uh, i really did um it's a bit slow paced at times but i think it was a really solid story from start to finish Yes, that line about women being on the bridge was a thing. And oh, man, I, I, I have to think that if I'm Lucille Ball back in the day and I, I see that line or I get the script, I, I'm going to Gene Roddenberry and I'm saying, dude, really? If I'm Lucille Ball. Uh, I'm telling him, you better take that out. And and, and overall, yes, I I enjoyed The Cage, too. I I think it was really well done, Uh, especially for the time and given what sci-fi was at the time. And hey, if not for The Cage, we we wouldn't be here, would we? Nope. And and that's all right with me. Uh, Okay, new business. 
So, um, yeah, I got nothing. (laughs) 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 Oh, man. Um, Discovery is back! Yes, it is. Star Trek Discovery Season 3, our first two episodes. That Hope is You, Part 1. I still don't know where Part 2 is. And Far From Home. Heather, holy crap. (laughs) I did not expect to enjoy these two episodes as much as I did, but wow. Wow, wow, wow. That Hope is You, just wonderful. We're reintroduced to Michael Burnham, and she's already growing and improving. She got high. It was hilarious. (laughs) We meet Cleveland Booker and his cat Grudge, and we're in the future. And, of course, we meet Aditya Sahil, everybody's favorite new Star Trek character. That Hope is You, Part 1, Heather. How'd you feel about it? Uh, I, I, kind of the same. I mean, I, I went into it not knowing I was going to like it, but not knowing I was going to love it. It really hit all the amazing notes. And, and one of the criticisms of former, the first two seasons of Discovery, which I actually agree with, because there's not a whole lot, I'm going to be honest, but one of the ones I actually agree with is a lot of times some of the episodes feel kind of rushed, like they're trying to fill in so much in one episode, and what they did with these first two episodes was that they took their time to tell these stories of what they've been through, how they got there, what they're feeling and thinking and hoping and all all the emotion packed into this episode and just watching Michael go through these emotions of her situation and and how she's alone and how she just needs someone to trust um wow <laughs> i i honestly wow it it it's just there's so much so much love and it 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 felt like the these first two episodes especially it felt like coming home (laughs) to these characters that i love so much and it it just poured out of me in an avalanche in both that hope is you and far from home uh just seeing everything that they're they're dealing with and how they're handling it so well (laughs) I, I I really found myself just overjoyed with episode two, Far From Home, because it was so important to me that we saw the discovery. And when that opened, we saw the entire Discovery crew. We saw Saru. We saw Tilly. But we also saw Reese and Bryce and and Nielsen and Detmer and Oosakun. We saw the entire Discovery crew. And the hallmark of this episode was seeing the entire crew of the Discovery working together for a common goal, despite Philippa Giorgio, uh, to get the ship back in working order to deal with this first contact situation in this strange land in the future. And we saw Saru uh, being an 
absolutely exceptional leader. Uh, I said uh, on Twitter when we were live tweeting Disco on the Prom that in in Far From Home, we saw the Captain Saru that Discovery fans have been wanting to see. We saw him there, and it was fantastic and incredibly satisfying. Just the way he was able to talk to Tilly and uh, keep her from losing control of her fear and instill some confidence in her, despite Philippa Giorgio uh, making the point that Tilly makes a great first impression, and she really did. Uh, the the rest of the ship and the crew uh, putting the ship back together, just the whole team unit thing. I, I was so down for that. Uh, e- even, even Jet Reno... It had her moments, uh, even when she was on drugs. Uh, absolutely just <laughs> falling to pieces over the the dynamic between uh, Hugh Colbert and Paul Stamets. Uh, Dr. Colbert trying to nurse his husband back to life, uh, despite Stamets wanting to get out of the cell uh, regeneration chamber and go back to work, even though he had just taken a, a giant shrapnel wound. Uh, th- those two are just... A wonderfully entertaining couple, and and I can't get enough of them. They're great. Uh, That's kind of the the same dynamic you see with Riker and Troy, uh, those two. And and it's just, they're fun. Like, they very clearly love each other, but they also bicker like an old married couple. And it's kind of great. And it also really gave Culber uh, the chance to show his bedside manner and show his skills as a doctor as a physician and i'm so big on wilson cruz as dr culber he he's he's my guy right now i i absolutely love both of them actually anthony rapp and wilson cruz i think they're just both fantastic uh also um let's talk about this one heather lieutenant kayla detmer in the beginning, when the Discovery crashed, she took a pretty bad fall. She, uh, on impact, she looks like she took a shot to the head and then fell pretty hard on the floor. Uh, and, yeah. you know, looks like she got hit pretty hard. Um, yeah. What do you think? Uh, it looked like Dr. Puller uh, healed the cut on her head and physically she seemed okay. But, yeah, she's clearly not completely okay. Um, I'll ask you, Heather. I know I've seen a couple of theories online. One I really don't like in particular, but I'll ask you. What do you think's going on with Lieutenant Detmer? You know, I'm not really sure. I I mean, it's honestly like Detmer's situation was the one thing I came away questioning uh, by the end of that episode because it's like they're they're making a point to show you that there's something going on there and that there's something not okay with her and it this just kind kind of came to me actually earlier today when I was re-watching it before we uh, recorded this uh, that I think it has and, and as much as I don't want to go down that road again, like we did last season, I think it has don't, don't something say it. Don't to say do it. with her implant. Okay. Now, I, there, I, there, is, 
there is one theory I've been seeing uh, that is semi-related to her cybernetic implant, and I really hope this isn't it. But I- I've seen some people saying online that it might have to do with control, and I hate that. I, I absolutely I, hate it. Yeah, I don't. I don't want it to go there. Um, I would rather, as much as like my gut is telling me it has something to do with her implant, I would rather it be more of like a good thing, like the spear data, or even like Arium's memories somehow connecting to that, rather than it be. Um, something to do with control so i i don't know i really don't want it to be control that's what i really don't want uh i'm i'm hoping that it is just maybe a malfunction that can be fixed and maybe she has some issues that she has to deal with uh what she's going through would absolutely cause post-traumatic stress which it looks like she was going through the beginning stages of Uh, but i i i would hope that it is something that can be addressed and handled and is definitely not control that's my only hope Yeah, I I mean, I I agree with you. Uh, One thing I just want to say is that I like that's another thing we have all been saying for like two weeks is that or the not two weeks. The first two seasons was that we wanted to get to know this bridge crew more. And that's something we saw a lot of in Far From Home. I think with these threads of this storyline that's going to keep going with Detmer, we're going to see more of that. So I'm looking forward to that as season three goes on, because as much as I I do love Michael as a character and I love a lot of the main characters, there's so many interesting and unique characters on that ship that we've been introduced to that haven't really had the chance to shine. But and it's a it's a testament to Discovery as a whole that so many Star Trek fans, the only thing that they're asking for is more. Yeah. People just want more of the thing. And that's really a testament to Discovery and the great job they've done with all of these characters. I mean, we actually got um, Non, who is... A- promoted to a series regular this year in season three uh rachel antrell who plays commander non which is going to be incredible because everyone fell in love with her character in season two and by the way for the record everybody (laughs) i love tig notaro i have loved her for years i'm I've loved her stand-up for years. Um, she had an amazing stand-up special uh, when she uh, had to deal with, with a cancer scare. I think Tig Notaro is absolutely terrific. And she is performing Jet Reno exceptionally well. But I'm kind of a Paul Stamets stan. So just by design, I have to not like her. <laughs> I, You know, I... I love the dynamic between the two of them because as much as they're adversarial, it's like it's gotten to the point where it's not really nasty. <laughs> it's just the way their relationship is. <laughs> so I appreciate it. 
a lot. <laughs> I mean, it, the, the, the moments I probably laughed the most were between Reno and Stamets in that episode. So. Because they are, in a weird way, great together. They're great yes. together, no matter how much they don't want to admit it. But yeah, season three of Star Trek Discovery is well underway. And guys, uh, let us know at Prom Trek Pod. We'd, we'd love to hear from you. Just the things that you're enjoying. Like We, we barely even scratched the surface uh, because... The show's just started again. Uh, and also, good news, season four has started filming. So, season, hey, everybody. Season four is coming. <laughs> season four is definitely coming. Guess what, everybody? Star Trek Discovery still not canceled. <laughs> and I just want to go out there and say, because you said this about Lower Decks in our last episode, I am going to say it that the first two episodes of season three are some of the best series premieres in all of Star Trek. I'm saying that right now. I believe that. Uh, because especially when you look at some of the classic episodes, there are moments in uh, like The Way of the Warrior in Deep Space Nine or Scorpion in Voyager where you just have that season premiere changing tone of the series and that is what we have with these first two episodes of discovery they are setting the tone for the way this series is going to be from now on and they're some of the best season premieres ever of star trek there there's just so much excitement like at, at the end of each episode, I'm just so excited. The end of episode one, they unfurl the flag of the Federation just to give people that visual cue of wow. we are back. Yes. And then at the end of Far From Home, the very last thing we see is Michael Burnham with her beautiful bra braids. Oh my God, she's so beautiful. Oh. <laughs> and... She she is reuniting with the Discovery smile, crew. That and, huge smile on her and, face. And it's just at the end of every episode of Discovery, you're just filled with excitement of what's to come. And that's all you can ask for from any TV show is just excitement for the next episode. And yeah, we're excited for more of Discovery. We're really excited. Yes, we are. Uh, okay, so we're going to wrap up with the upcoming business. Heather, this one came from you and uh, someone that I believe that if this idea does become a reality, I've already nominated them to be the president. So uh, <laughs> I, I believe you can take this one over. You have the con, Miss Kirby. So um, with the Star Trek official pages on like Twitter and Instagram and Facebook have done a lot especially over the past couple years of actually reaching out to fans, uh, following them back on Twitter, things like that. They have been inviting fans to the virtual premieres since we can't really have a red carpet premiere of the new Star Trek shows. They've been inviting fans to the virtual premieres. They've been sending out like their free, um, press packages with all sorts of goodies to random fans online. And so I saw somewhere, 
I don't know where. So I can't completely take credit for the idea. But someone suggested that a lot of this reaching out to people is possibly the start or idea of them bringing back an official Star Trek fan club. Which I think would be a wonderful idea. You know why? <laughs> because Tell I me would why. pay money to get invited to these virtual premieres and to get free swag from Star Trek. Because I have not been one of the lucky ones to be invited uh, to a virtual premiere or win any of their contests or get their free press bags because I, I don't tweet that often or tag Star Trek in my tweets or I'm not that noticeable. Yeah, I, I've only started just doing that stuff recently. <laughs> so yeah. yeah, I get it. I mean, I, I, I just, I, I'm not trying to sound like a completely jealous person but i am a little jealous because you see we're a little bit jealous we, we we're both a little bit jealous guys a little bit you, you see them reaching out to people and you just kind of look at that and be like why can't that be me so i think the idea of an official trek fan club would be amazing because i would gladly sign up for a subscription in order to be able to participate in these things that they're doing and that they're including fans in. I would pay for the honor. <laughs> <laughs> pay for the honor to be a Star Trek fan and to be included. Uh, as much as I'm sometimes not as vocal as some other people online with my tweets or anything, I would pay for the honor to do that. So I, and I think there's a lot of people out there like you and me who feel the same way. They're just, aren't as open about the fact that they're jealous because who wants to admit that they're jealous of people it's not a very nice emotion we don't Th want this talk podcast about is a safe space Th this podcast yeah. is a safe space um yeah uh, i'm I, I will admit that when i see that happen uh i do feel a little bit of of fomo uh fear of missing out a little bit uh at the same time it, it reminds me of going back to what I've said about my anime fandom. Um, a couple of days ago, Heather, maybe like last week or sometime, uh, I put out on Twitter that I wanted to know uh, if there were more Star Trek conventions rather than the ones in Las Vegas or, or like the big ones, like the Las Vegas one or the cruise, if there were other Star Trek conventions. And I got back nothing. Absolutely nothing. <laughs> yeah. And it reminded me of the fact that in the anime space, there is a perpetual grassroots fan-driven campaign. Uh, there are conventions all over the country uh, going at any given time uh, before the pandemic, of course, uh, regional, uh, statewide, uh, larger ones, whether it was... Because we're in the Midwest, we could go to one in, like, Chicago or Columbus or or in my hometown of Detroit. Uh, in the anime side of things, th that fandom is one that is constantly churning out uh, ways to interact with fans and interact with the creators. The Star Trek fandom doesn't really have that. And I think that for that reason a fan club would be a really good idea. 
Like, yeah. I would love the idea of there being an official Detroit Southeast Michigan Star Trek fan club, or, or we would be like a region charter member of the official Star Trek fan club. I know you would love something like that for Ohio. I would love something like that here. And I think the idea of ways for not just ways to interact with the people that make the show but for ways for other fans to connect and to share in our love of this franchise is something that would be really really positive for everyone involved Uh, especially right now that star trek is in a resurgence of content now would be the perfect time for a fan driven a, a fan driven campaign uh, to share what makes Star Trek great. I think it would be a really good idea. Um, Also, um, when it comes back to those conventions, as I mentioned, they're not cheap. Uh, I I can drive to an anime convention uh, in Ohio or Indiana, make a weekend trip out of it, share a hotel room with some friends, get a badge, uh, have a good time for the weekend and come home. And it would not cost nearly as much as one trip to uh, any Star Trek convention in Las Vegas. And certainly not the cruise. That's just completely out of the question. Um... I think that is something that could be addressed with a Star Trek fan club as well, as to just open things up for people who may not be able to save the money to go to Las Vegas every year to do that. And I think that I agree with you completely, Heather. A Star Trek official fan club right now would be a great idea. Yeah, I mean, I, I second with you on the convention thing. I, I love going to conventions. I can't afford to <laughs> a lot of times. And uh, as, as much as I, I dream about going to Vegas, it, it's a matter of um, I think I will get there once, and I don't know if I'll be able to afford to get back. <laughs> but... Uh, I, I I know that back in like the 90s and in the heyday, there were Star Trek conventions all across the United States. And I think the fact that Star Trek had been off the air for like 15 or so years really made those conventions die out. So we're at the point that there's the major Star Trek convention, and that's the big one in the U.S. every year. And like I said, I mentioned to you, I know of a couple on the East Coast. Uh, there's one in Maryland, I think, uh, called Shore Leave. It's not directly Star Trek, but it's a science fiction convention. They always have Star Trek people there. Um, I know the Trek Geeks guys um, who are based up in New England uh, have a lot of plans to get more uh, conventions and, and more Trek thing conventions going. But I honestly, like, besides you and maybe a couple other people, um, I don't know a whole lot of Trekkies in the Midwest area. <laughs> so uh, it, it would really 
be a benefit. It's kind of wild because I know a bunch and not just in my immediate <laughs> family either. I, I think it would really be a benefit to the fandom if we could get these smaller trucks or these smaller conventions going again because not everybody can afford to go to Vegas. Not everybody can afford to go to Vegas every year. Not everybody can afford to take an entire week off to go to Vegas. I mean, most cons are like Friday, Saturday, and Sunday. Vegas goes Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday. Like, that's how many people can afford to go to a five-day con every year? Not yeah. that many, okay? <laughs> so I love the idea of a fan club hopefully precipitating more local conventions because I think it would ultimately be a benefit, especially with new shows out there to get it out in the world and celebrate it more and in given, more given that this is the promenade merchants podcast heather i just had a very ds9 flavored idea okay at the end of ds9 with what you leave behind wharf becomes the Federation ambassador to the Klingon Empire. So he was kind of living in both worlds again. Uh, I was thinking just now that given my experience in the anime space and with the anime conventions and how all of those go, if there are any Trekkies out there that want to talk with me or some people out there in the anime space as far as conventions go. Uh, I, I'm going to be the diplomatic envoy. Uh, I'm willing to be the diplomatic envoy between the Star Trek fans and the anime fans out there uh, to, to make this happen. To, to make sure that if such a thing, uh, President Batleth Babe, if such a thing were to happen... <laughs> That that uh, I would be the diplomatic envoy to all of my convention sources out there to see how we can make this start being a thing and more Trekkies can start doing Trekkie things. So, yes, I, I think that's a good idea. More Trekkies doing Trekkie things. That sounds like a perfect ending to the podcast. I think we have a show title. Uh, more Trekkies <laughs> doing Trekkie things. Uh, thank you all for listening, everybody to this episode of Promenade Merchants. We hope you enjoyed it. We hope you enjoy some Star Trek. Whether it's old, new, all of the above, enjoy some Star Trek. Heather, uh, you're going to be okay. I'm okay. We're all okay. We've all got roofs over our heads. We're all going to have a rack to Gino, and it's going to be a good time. Follow us on Twitter at PromTrekPod, where, during Season 3 of Star Trek Discovery, Heather and I will be alternating episodes with the hashtag DiscoOnTheProm. If you're staying spoiler-free those Thursday premieres for Star Trek Discovery, join us, won't you? And use the hashtag DiscoOnTheProm. It's Heather next week. I was last week. Heather's next week. Join us. Uh, again, at Promtrek Pod on Twitter. You can find the Promenade Merchant Podcast wherever you get your podcasts. Follow Heather on Twitter at NerdyGal33. She changes her profile photo every month. It's pretty rad. <laughs> Thanks, everybody, for listening. Walk with the prophets. Live long and prosper. And uh, go make some Trekkie friends. The hope is you.